Good morning podcast and welcome to a new episode. I hope you're having an amazing day and that you're ready because today is special. I actually did not record this episode for my podcast. I was a guest on someone else's podcast. His name is Raymond. He's the host of the Beginner Photography Podcast and I got interviewed, I think it was around March. What we did was actually dig into my story, how I started as a photographer, how I priced myself, how I shoot strangers in the streets, how I approach them, my philosophy, kind of around interacting with people to get better better photos and a little bit about that YouTube journey. So if you're interested in my story, if you want to learn stuff, maybe have some creative ideas of or ideas to get back out there and start shooting that now COVID is kind of slowing down and that we can go out and shoot with some precautions. I think you will enjoy this episode a lot. So if you're ready, let's welcome myself and Raymond to the podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the beginner photography podcast. Today we're going on an adventure. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast, a weekly podcast for those who believe that moments matter most and that a beautiful photo is more than just a sum of its settings. A show for those who want to do more with the gear they have to take better photos today. And now your host, Raymond Hatfield. Welcome back everybody to the Beginner Photography Podcast. As always, I am your host, Raymond Hatfield, and I am proudly wearing my Dodgers jersey right now, even though baseball's been canceled for the year, essentially. But let's go ahead and talk about this episode of the podcast because this episode is, well, something that you can't do right now. <laughs> I, uh, I record my interviews several weeks in advance, and in this case, I recorded this episode exactly two months ago. Um, well, by the time that this episode goes out, two months and five days ago. Uh, two months and five days ago, it doesn't seem very long, but the world was an entirely different place than it is today. Uh, and today's guest is Pierre, Pierre T. Lambert, who maybe you've seen him on YouTube, you probably have. I allude in the intro that by the time this goes live, he will have uh, reached more than 150,000 YouTube subscribers. But as I just checked right before this, he has 182,000 YouTube subscribers um, from from people who just want to learn about him and his, his adventures. So Pierre is a travel and adventure photographer. He goes, this is a guy who loves to travel and now he just takes his camera with him uh, to go out and shoot. And he really produces something very interesting in his work. And he obviously talks about the shots that he gets and how to push himself creatively coming from a non-photography background. So his insight is, uh, is really interesting, you know, found interesting by a lot of people. So it, it made sense to have him come on the podcast. But what it is that he's talking about, travel and adventure photography, something that we can't do right now. We can't travel. You know, we're not going on adventures that are too far you know we don't want to stray too far away from our home if we can uh, if we can avoid it uh, especially in large metro areas you know Pierre is uh, as you as you know from his YouTube channel uh, is from Chicago Chicago's a large metropolitan area is often in uh, New York as well um, and then I believe Paris so the main travels um, so so what I wanted I thought about this episode and I thought oh my gosh should I even release this episode at this time right now or would this be completely tone deaf and I feel like where we're at people still want to uh, we still need to remember that there is an entire world out there and we need to 
take this time that we are in right now and slow down and reflect on what it is that is most important to us because some of us are not at work right now and if you're not at work right now you're realizing oh, wait a second it is nice to be home why do I have to go to work and maybe you're building up a little bit of animosity towards that job or you have the idea that you wish that you could just go out and shoot and travel and do all these things and I want this episode to kind of if that's you light that fire realize oh wait you know, my job can be done at home, essentially. So why can I not do this while I'm traveling somewhere else? You know, if you can do your job behind a computer, you can do your job anywhere in the world. And not that, not that Pierre did this per se, but if this is something that you can do, then I want you to think about that and, and start, to, start to move in that direction while you have this moment in time in history. So there is that. That is why I wanted to talk about this because when this pandemic is over, we are going to, the last thing that I want you to do is to fall into the same routines uh, if you're not happy with them. And this isn't, you know, obviously a podcast about life, but if you want to shoot more, I hope that this episode can facilitate the idea of you shooting more and push you forward. Maybe even get some ideas on gear and backing up, all that stuff. So that again, when the time comes, you are prepared. So that is it. Uh, oh, no, you know what? I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out real quick to, and I'm probably going to totally butcher this, but I think it's Missy Sue, Missy Sue 2 on uh, iTunes for giving the show a five-star review. Missy Sue, so nice. She says, uh, you know what? I could be totally wrong. It could be, I have no idea who this is. It's M-I-S-Y-S-U-2. So, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just guessing that it's Missy Sue. Regardless, whoever this is, let me know who you are so that I can personally thank you. They say, beginner or not, every photographer will find something new in the Beginner Photography Podcast. The friendly, relatable, and helpful guests uh, and the breadth, of pho- are, the breadth of the photography industry can be overwhelming, but you can learn so many niches here. Very valuable information. Highly recommended so again missy sue if i got that wrong i'm sorry but the point still stands that i appreciate you and i appreciate the review of the podcast it truly is a fantastic way to help especially right now when people are listening to podcasts because you know most of their time isn't taken up by work or other uh uh, responsibilities so that really does help the podcast right now um, more than more than it has ever before. And I don't know if you can hear that garbage truck, but I'm going to breeze past this right now outside this window. So we're going to go ahead and get on into this interview right now with Pierre T. Lambert. Today's guest is Pierre Lambert, a travel photographer and YouTuber. With By the time this interview comes out, we'll have more than 150,000 subscribers who follow him for his photography challenges and tutorials. Today, I'm excited to chat about talk uh, about taking better photos of our travels. Pierre, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. Um, it's a blast. I'm super happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. You are you are one of those, um, you know, if anybody watches any of your YouTube videos, you are very much uh, a personality in the uh, in, in the world of <laughs> photography. There are a lot of people who can educate. There's a lot of people who get into the technicals of things. There's a lot of people who just focus on the theory. I feel like you cover all of it pretty well, 
and you you bring this personality to your your videos that it's clear why uh, why people enjoy watching you. So, again, I'm excited for our chat here. But before we get into kind of the travel photography side of things, can you share with me and the listeners how did you get your start in photography in the first place? Oh, that's a good that's a good one. Um, I got it sporadically into it through the years. So it, it's not like one day I woke up and everything changed in my life and I wanted to be a photographer. It kind of did, but it, it happened over years. When I was a kid, I remember playing with like a dark room when I was like maybe like eight years old or nine years old. It was showing us that in school and I thought it was cool. Uh, and then we'd go on field trips and my grandfather gave me a camera. I used also a lot of disposable cameras, you know, the one with the film that you had to wait for. Oh, yes. You never knew what you would take off, <laughs> but I always found it kind of fun. And I always uh, spent a lot of time looking at adventure books or looking at books around uh, nature and animals. So there were tons of photos in there. And I guess that in a way I was like, oh, I can capture my own stuff, you know. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the same, but <laughs> yeah, trying, with a disposable camera, that's that's difficult to achieve exactly. the same results. Um, and then a few years later, I, I got into um, I got an engineering degree, got into engineering, started working and traveling a lot. And one day, it just like occurred to me that I actually made a lot of my decisions around traveling, meaning like the job I wanted, the company I wanted to work for, everything had to allow me to travel and that's how i had kind of decided on everything and the company i was working for was absolutely not inspiring me uh, i would look at managers who were older and i was like i don't want to be you i don't want to be you i don't want to be you <laughs> i'm like all oh, right no one's inspiring around me and i stumbled upon a book called the four hour work week while i was working offshore in africa mm-hmm. on a boat like in the middle of the ocean it was very boring because we didn't have many operations going on at that point and I received an email saying like, hey, is the four-hour work week possible? And I was working like 12-hour shifts, you know, like night shifts. Yeah, you're like, like, no way. There's no way I'm like, possible. what? And that came from my uh, engineering um, uh, degree school, like the, how do you call that, college, if you uh-huh. want. My college was sending out that newsletter with that conference. I was like, what is that about? And then they were trying to discuss around that book. I was like, well, obviously I had to grab the book. I was in the middle of uh, the ocean. So I found the PDF version and I started just reading through the book. And I was like, a lot of things hit me really hard where it's like you're speaking to yourself sometimes, you know, Uh, but as long as you haven't seen it written by someone else, you always think those are either stupid thoughts or you just suppress them to forget them because no one around you shares them and then one day you discover that other people around the world do and so and then you're like oh wow cool uh and that got me thinking what if i could do anything with my life what would i be doing um, can i do something for myself and not for others in the sense that i was building that ceo's dream or like those um uh, shareholders that i had no interest i didn't even know them mm-hmm. no one no one cared about anything in the company if you want Uh, So I was like, well, that's not very inspiring. I want something better in life, Uh, something that that is striving every day, that I strive for and that makes me feel like I'm growing in a way. And I I literally listed a bunch of ideas, maybe 50, 60 ideas, like anything that would go through my mind. And the one that 
the theme that would come all the time was like travel and photography and a little bit of engineering related stuff towards aquarium for example aquarium filters because mm -hmm. i was into like aquascaping it back in the days and i was like okay let's circle the ones that are the most important and the one that um, i would actually consider doing or maybe i want to uh, look into and so the two main ones three main ones came aquarium filter a platform to book photographers online and like booking.com basically and yeah. another one was me being a photographer and i was like okay let's just <laughs> go through the list and try them <laughs> and so i tried the aquarium filter and it it got nowhere it was good creative exercise though and like just trying to dip my toes into how to launch a product or or just like anything and i just killed the project and i was like you know what photography is way more exciting to me and the platform for photographers is very exciting so the day I decided I would become a photographer, I looked into how it would work um, and how I could make money. And I was like, oh, uh, National Geographic photographer sounds great. But I also realized it's not the easiest path in a right. way. Uh, it's a very long path and you need to be in the right environment, which I wasn't at the time. So I thought, why don't I just uh, look into portrait photography? and was always super shy i never dared taking photos of people if you asked me to take photos of others or like all the family i would get like uh, you know you're not like happy to do it <laughs> yes so I, I decided you know what um there's money to be made i'm in paris when i'm not traveling and there are a lot of people who travel here or who need the engagement shots who propose whatever like that could be cool so i just started gathering all the resources I could find and then I just like learned every single day whatever I could and then practiced it and that's how I started <laughs> okay so a few few follow-up questions for you uh the first one let's start with with kind of where you ended right there at what point did you did you leave your 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 engineering job like did, were you already somewhat established as a photographer before you did this or did you make the leap before any of it was was proven I guess no, I did not leave before anything was proven. Um, that would have been reckless from my end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just yes. because I needed the financial stability. And just because tomorrow you decide to be a pilot racer doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to make it or anyone's mm -hmm. going to be interested. So you might want to try out uh, driving a few cars really fast first. So what I did is I, I learned as much as possible and I looked at photographers who were already established in the market. So I did a little bit of market analysis, who is showing up on Google, who is like getting clients in, in that um, portrait and wedding space. And then I would basically look at their work and rank them in my head one to 10. And I was like, okay, this guy's really good. He's charging a lot. This guy is like, meh. And he's charging a little less, but not that much less. And then so I looked at what was average in terms of market and then what was like average plus between average and super high hand. And I, I was like, I want to be in that range yes, because then I have to work less hours, but I make more. So <laughs> I was like, that sounds better. And also creatively, I thought, I think, I think, I still think that the more in a way there is a limit. Actually, it's like a curve like that. Um, there is a sweet point where you're like high end, but not too high where you're working with celebrities and have no creative direction. You're mm -hmm. just like high end. People want your creative direction. And that's, that's actually really cool. So anyway, I looked at those guys and I was like, my work has to be as good as those guys. And then I can charge. 
And so I did everything possible to practice and, and get there. Uh, shooting for free, asking friends, friends of friends, uh, asking my wife. Uh, yeah. What, so, where did you where did you learn photography? I know that you you know you started off and you just enjoyed taking pictures with digital or with disposable cameras and looking at images. But where did you where did where did learning of portrait and engagement photography come from? That that came from uh, my my progression curve in photography started a little bit before I got into the idea of becoming a photographer because I always would travel with a Canon 400. 50D back mm -hmm. in the days, so like a Rebel something, like mm -hmm. the 2013 entry level camera, or, yeah. yeah, or 2012 version with the uh, entry kit lens, so the, so the 1855, and I had also a 7300, mm -hmm. which was great, really fast lens, um, and I would travel with that, and that was awesome. But obviously, my photos wouldn't end up as good as the others, so I started like digging a little bit more, and I did my first. A beginner mistake and i thought my camera needed to be upgraded obviously oh, yes. so, <laughs> that's where we all start I, I know so i bought a canon 5d mark ii mm -hmm. i think maybe it was second hand that one and then i bought a 50 millimeter 18 i bought a 1740 millimeter and then my photos changed already just having bokeh in my shots was like wow this is so cool <laughs> yeah and the wide angle also was just so fun to shoot with so I, I was keeping that and then didn't go anywhere. And the moment I really decided to work with clients, I had to step it up. And that's when I dug into like online resources. My dad had like old books from the eighties on photography and composition didn't change that much since. So, that's <laughs> so, true. I, yeah. so I just read everything I could, uh, started watching. There was no YouTube video at the time. There was mm -hmm. nothing free in a way. Um, that would teach you anything outside of Photoshop or editing. Mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to learn like photography as a business or, or shooting people, you had to go into paid resources. So there was Creative Live that was kind of uh, getting up there. And uh, I remember Creative Live was a good one. I would watch the lives back in France with the jet lag. It was like 3 a.m. Oh, <laughs> during the week. And I was like, oh, no, I can't miss that. This is so interesting. It's dedicated notes. right there. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I had the daytime job, so I uh -huh. couldn't like do everything at once. I had to, to do it at night. Yeah. And so there was Creative Live. And then I can't even remember, like there was sometimes like photographers that would pop up with their own course uh, or blogs, but that was pretty much it. I remember I, I owed a lot to their, their like classes at the time uh, because it was really good and in-depth. So why do you think, because obviously there's still a lot of online resources, there's a lot of photographers who have blogs now. Why yeah. do you think you were able to, I guess, let me rephrase that question, with a lot of photographers with blogs and a lot of free online education, how come everybody doesn't make it? How come you think that you were able to um, break past this barrier of just being a, a hobbyist and really grow as a photographer? Hmm, that's a good question. I think people that fall in love with ideas and they fall in love with the idea of becoming or doing something, but the moment you really have to do it, you quickly become disillusioned in a mm -hmm. way where you're like, oh, that's a lot more work than I thought, especially when you're hitting the marketing part. Let's, let's pretend you just got good at photography. And now what? Right? It's like, 
All right, cool, guys. I'm good. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. people are not going to just, just find you out of the bush, you know? Yes. Uh, you got to be out there. You got to do your own marketing. You got to find clients. You're going to like put yourself out there to, to get those clients. And I think a lot of people might struggle with that part, especially. So more like the business part. And also getting really good, especially working with other people, requires you to be very humble in the sense that you're going to be working with people and, and you might suck completely at it and they will see you suck at it, right? Uh, it's yes. not like you're going to be a landscape photographer and hide in the, in the landscape for like six days and no one will ever <laughs> see those photos. Here you're literally working with people and they're like, can I see the photo? You know, and if, if those are models that work with good client, good photographers before, they'll, they'll probably think, uh, well, that's pretty crappy, but that's your learning curve and you need to go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta do it. You actually have to just go out yeah, there. Yeah, suck and it do up. Something. Be yeah. humble. Like, put your head down and just work. Oh, I love that. I love that. So when 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 you first started, when you first started like taking it seriously, when you said, okay, I need to learn this as a technical skill as much as it is a, uh, a the creative abilities. I need to harness this. What would you say was the hardest aspect for you to learn or grasp or or fully understand? What was the hardest part of photography for you at that time? I think the hardest part was being able to do or like, it's like you see a lot of different puzzle pieces and you understand each one of them individually, but when you're supposed to bring them together mm -hmm. to get a photo, that's when it, everything would collapse. It's like you would get your exposure, right? But you forgot the composition. Then you got the composition right, but then your exposure was wrong. And then you got composition and exposure, but your subject was not ready or you didn't <laughs> communicate to them or yes. it just looked terrible. And then there's the editing part where obviously when you start, you overdo everything. So everything looks too much. Um, and you're like, well, I don't understand. This one looks so crisp and good. My photos don't look as good. So I think that part, like being able to balance everything and really bring it together in um in a situation where you're under pressure was uh, a little bit difficult. Uh, that's definitely the steepest learning curve. And that's why I think uh, learning and, and breaking down things and being able to train without your camera also really helps you like when you're in those situations, put everything together easily. At least some parts of it, everything that's not linked to the camera, composition, light, subject, communication, you can train without your camera and then you just bring it in uh, it, it just becomes almost second nature when you're back with your camera and you can focus just on the technical aspect. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest we uh, uh, we practice lighting in composition uh, without our camera? Uh, that's a lot of observation, I would say. It's just being aware of what you have around and understanding the, how different sources of lights actually help you uh, or actually work against you depending on what kind of uh, result you're trying to achieve being able to understand when you look at other photos, how they've been lit up, what, what light was important and that you can just do it anywhere. You know, you're looking at our videos, you try to pinpoint the sources of light around you, why it was set up like that, what kind of mood it creates. And then you just play, you, you move people around, you move your hands, you move objects. If you're shy, just use uh, stuffed animals, you know? It's like, yeah, absolutely. Or mannequins. I've seen mannequins before. Yeah. Those, right. Uh, modeling heads. Okay. So again, it just goes back to just putting in the work and not just mm -hmm. doing uh, more than just reading about it or watching it, but actually 
actually doing it. Actually, well, yeah, it I mean, it's like abs, right? You yeah. can read all day about abs, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, well, trust <laughs> me, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> all day, all day, not a single thing, not a single thing. So uh, let's go back to um, where you were. You were shooting uh, weddings. You were shooting portraits. Uh, today, are you still shooting any weddings or portraits? No, I don't shoot weddings anymore. Um, I shoot portraits, yes, but not at all in the same context where it's going to be either lifestyle portraits with friends mm -hmm. um, or like influencers or it's going to be portraits for like corporate sometimes, but uh, and more like towards video, like it's a mix. Yes, but not like I used to where it was like engagement portrait couples, families. Those were really fun, but I moved away from that, especially uh, after I moved from Paris to New York. Uh, my clientele was in France, then I didn't restart trying to find clients in New York. I, I kind of switched gears. So let's talk about that. Was that a conscious decision to not try to book any more weddings when you moved to New York? Or was that out of necessity? Yeah, no, it's when I moved to New York, I didn't know exactly how it would work out in terms of work and authorization and everything. I didn't want to put in the time because I was also so while at the same time I was becoming a photographer and learning, I also learned to code and I built that platform I was talking about earlier, which was for booking photographers online. So I built a full scale uh, worldwide booking.com for photographers. And I was working a lot on that on that end. And when I moved to New York, I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus my energy on that part and not uh, the individual shoots right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to scale it, scale it a little bit higher um, and like bring in more work to other photographers um, in those are in, in Europe, back in Europe. Gotcha. So so when did when did you shift away to that and start focusing more on um, travel photography? So that's when we decided, uh, well, so the fun part is that travel photography has been all the time. So, yes. I, so anyway, I have a very deep desire for travel and uh, I have the travel bug and I cannot not travel in a year. Otherwise I just go crazy. <laughs> so I would travel regardless, like maybe three times a year or four times a year and always take my camera with me. Sometimes I would do shoot actually with clients, uh, for example, in Taiwan or in Seoul where I had a wedding, uh, stuff like that. But really got into the travel, travel photography when we decided to go on the world tour with my wife after New York, we decided to leave. We took a few trips. I shot for some NGO in Nicaragua and then we went to Mexico bunch of places and one, at one point we're like why don't we just take a, a year off and uh, I mean not for me but for her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just gonna focus on more travel photography and YouTube. So then was that was that kind of the uh, I don't want to say the end goal but at that point were you thinking like you know what this is where all of my focus kind of needs to be like like what what am I trying to ask here? This is, this is going to be a YouTube question because obviously you put out a lot of content on YouTube. Yeah. You, you put out a lot of helpful and educational videos. Was that the goal from that, uh, uh, from that point when you guys were in, say, Mexico and Nicaragua thinking, why don't we just take a year off and I'm going to focus on this? Was that, was that the plan? Actually, no, because I had another YouTube channel where it was more like a vlog and we were just doing travel content, meaning mm -hmm. like information, showing how it was traveling those places, etc. 
uh, but six months into it, I, I was shooting in this beautiful location, like getting shots I really liked. And, and more and more, I was like, I want to share that with others. Like I'm, I get really excited about the photography on the channel. We don't really talk about it uh, just because that's not who the people are watching, what they're watching for. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I think I can, I can do something good with the photography side on YouTube. And at that time there were a few photographers on YouTube that started rising up. There was like Peter McKinnon that just started in November, I think 2017. Um, there were like a few others and I was like, I think it's a pretty good time to get into it. And especially because I'm traveling all the time, I want to share that with others and I'm sure other people would get excited. So that's when I decided and I actually started taking action, I think in March or February, 2018. That's when I dropped the first video on that channel. Yeah, your your growth has been uh, uh, pretty consistent, which has been awesome to see. It's it, as I said in the beginning, like it's great to see that, or it's it's clear to see why people I think enjoy watching your videos. Um, you just bring this personality to it, and as you said, you know, you were in, you were traveling the world, and you really liked the photography side of things, but it was hard to share it with, uh, yeah, um, with the with the viewers of that channel. So uh, then then. Let me ask this, when it comes to, um, you know, a portrait, when it comes to a wedding, when it comes to a landscape, when I say those words, I can visualize those images in my head. What is different about those than say, um, you know, a, a travel photo? When I say travel photography to you, what's the image that pops into your head? I'm going to ask you the same question after. When I, you say travel photography, there are two kind of images that, that pop in my head, like charismatic a guy or worker somewhere in an exotic place like very like a face that shows you like years of work yes um that's what shows up in my mind and another one is also adventure where it's like maybe a small road uh with a car or something and people like literally going through a journey in in a very very different place from where you are right now and that's that's kind of what I see uh, when I talk about travel photography that that mix between adventure and people. The mix between adventure and people. Oh, I love that. I gotta write that down. The mix between adventure and people. Because ultimately, I think when people when people when people travel, they're buying into the idea that they're about to have an experience, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they get excited for. So when you go on these travels, as you said, the people the people are yeah. a big part of of what makes a location unique. And I don't know about others listening right now, but I know that personally I get nervous. And as you said earlier, you know, you got nervous as well, just at the idea of taking, yeah. you know, a stranger's portraits. So now with the experience that you've had, do you have any tips on photographing strangers? Yeah, definitely. And uh, actually that's something I'm gonna be talking about at Photokina, so. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, I was like, oh, I think it's a good topic um, because I went through that journey where I would never like take a photo of someone or I felt really afraid or ashamed or or anything, even if it, they were your clients. I mean, not client, but like, even if you were training with someone who was like a mouth for your day, you know, to mm -hmm. shoot. I, I was very much shy. But one day I, I either watched a photographer work or I I think I was at the workshop and that photographer was basically sharing that um, 
if you want the result, if you want it to look good, you have to be involved in it and you have to be able to get the best out of people um, and, and show it to them. You know, uh, if something excites you about them, just let them know what excites you about them and why you want to take their photo. Obviously, if it's something you think is just like drama, maybe don't point it out, but uh, or don't take their photo because it's not that cool. But <laughs> um, but when you're doing travel photography or street photography, the most important, I think, is to go in with an open mind and always remember that you want to approach people the way you would love to be approached, mm-hmm. right? So imagine you're sitting in your shop and you're in God knows where. Like imagine you're in Indianapolis and there's this guy from India and his first time in the U.S. and he's a travel photographer, which is the same thing as me going to India and seeing a guy sure. in the shop, right? Yes. Think about it. And... And the guy comes in with like a kind of frowny face, doesn't know what to do. And like kind of like sneaks. You don't know if he's trying to steal something for you or if he's taking a photo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you have that other guy that comes in with a smile and says, I love your shop. Or I think those colors look really great. Can I take a photo? You're more likely, I think, statistically speaking, to say yes to that guy versus the first one if he even asks for it. So I'm like, can I have... Every time I talk to someone and leave, is it possible for me to leave them with the day better than it was before they interacted with me? Mm-hmm. Can I have a positive impression on them that makes them have a better day? So that's kind of my goal every time I, I shoot people. Um, just because, I don't know, it feels nice to, to, do, to make people feel good. So the best thing you can do, just compliment them on something. Find something. You have glasses. I would say, dude, I love your glasses. How it makes your eyes pop. Can we take a photo of you? You know, you're already smiling. See, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I have won the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're able to say that, 100%. And there's going to be a video actually that's going to drop maybe next week or so. We did a challenge with a friend in New York and we had 10 minutes to shoot as many strangers as possible and ask them. Oh, wow. And my friend um did great but we analyzed after and every time we would get yes it's when people we would tell them why we wanted to take a photo of them not because we're doing a challenge that's not a good reason why for them is there an incentive to have that photo taken because you find that their haircut is cool you find something's cool about them something looks good on them or the light looks beautiful and you think they just enhance the background or whatever you know um, every time you can find something cool about people and let them know you're going to get a lot more yeses. Jeez, I'm trying to think right now. Oh, that would, uh, uh, that definitely makes things a whole lot less scary, you know, especially yeah. when you approach it from that mindset, instead of like, Hey, they have something that I want. I wonder if I can get it from them, which is like their likeness, but instead, yeah. how can I make this person's day better? And then in return, hopefully I can get a photo out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it a whole lot less scary. I would imagine that doing that 10-minute challenge uh, to get as many portraits of people, I feel like that would be a tough thing to do because you almost don't want to just take somebody's photo and then, like, run away and then get somebody else's photo. You almost want to, like, spend time with them for a moment and try to, uh, uh, I don't know, enhance the photo or, 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 like you said, you know, just kind of talk to them and make make their day better. I'm excited for I'm, – I'm sure that uh, that will be out by the time this uh, this interview goes live. So uh, if it is, I'm going to take the link and I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you're listening cool. right now, it's in the show notes. Check it out. That's a great. That's great. But yeah, think about it. 
how long does it take for someone to have a positive or negative impact on your day? Seconds. Right? Yeah. It's like so a girl passes by and smiles at you. That's enough, right? But then someone cuts your lane and then you're angry. So <laughs> it's as fast, you know, in both directions. Not me. I, I used to get angry about stuff like that. I, I, and, then I, and then I moved to L.A. and it was just like this happens all day, every day. Like this is just life. I got to get over this. It's normal. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely made me a better, a better driver after that. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, only it only takes seconds. It only takes seconds. Um, uh, so uh, gear, let's talk about gear for a moment because we don't really talk a lot about gear uh, on this podcast. As you know, uh, you know, a camera or a lens isn't what makes a photo great. It really is is the photographer, and it's uh, there's so much that goes into it. But when it comes to gear and when it comes to traveling, it always seems like uh, you know if 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 somebody in the beginner photography podcast Facebook group is traveling, there's always a question about gear. You know, how much do they need to bring? Mm. Because the question is is we all want to capture it all, right? When we travel, we sure. want to capture the entire experience. But we also don't want to get bogged down by the amount of gear that uh, that either we have and we don't want to bring it all. So do you have any tips for for facing this dilemma? Yeah, there is there. I'll have two tips. Um, take the lightest gear you have. <laughs> That's my number one. That's a good one. Because you'll hate the rest. And second, just go into your Lightroom or whatever software you use and filter by lenses you use and look at the lenses you use the most. And if that matches your favorite photos, then just take that lens. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good tip whenever you want to switch gear or whatever. Just look what you shoot most with. Like if it's 18 millimeter or if it's 55 or if you're someone who loves to shoot wide all the time, you, you got to know that. It's very important. And that really will help you when, when you are there uh, traveling. And the last thing is um, the more gear you have, the more questions you're going to ask yourself. But if you only have one lens, you have maybe max two lenses and you know one's really wide and one is a 85 on eight for example it's you might be like okay today i'm just gonna be like taking portraits or having fun at 85 and then you're gonna put that on and forget about the rest you know mm -hmm. and that's gonna be really fun now if you're shooting for example uh really wide then you do a really wide day you know and Try to not have to make change lenses all the time because that will take away from 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 actually shooting and, and thinking about shooting. Yeah, yeah, that that can be a hard thing though, because kind of you know, like I said, it's like we want to capture it all, and I think I think when you first start to learn photography, there's just so many options available. You know, the yeah. idea of of using all of your gear is almost you almost equate that to being able to use all of your knowledge, you know? Yes. So if you can't bring all your gear, you almost feel like you're leaving your, your knowledge or the potential behind and that, uh, that can be harmful. But when you come at it as a challenge, kind of like you said, just do a wide day, just do a, you know, portrait day that does make things easier. Well, what about things like, um, now this isn't necessarily like, you know, DSLR or mirrorless camera, but things like a, uh, like a GoPro or a drone, um, you know, how important are these things when, uh, when you travel? Well, GoPro and drones, uh, allow you, in my opinion, to get different angles, like different field of views, different types of experiences. So for example, GoPro, you're going to have something very immersive and then your drone is going to help you get settings, 
-hmm. it's going to show you where you are it's going to give context to the place you are it's going to help people understand better and so if really you're trying to go and capture a whole the whole experience you want to have tight shots you want to have detail shots you want to have people you want to have um, the general area like show giving context as to what the landscapes looks like and and the area and then you want to have maybe the immersive experience uh, that the gopro gives you of being like in the action and i think those are like think about them as different lenses that's all all they are they're just tools to help you like create a, a homogeneous vision if you want into your work and uh if you're doing ever editorial that's what they look a lot for is not just one type of of focus is they want people they want settings they want details on what people are using for example what their how their life looks like from detailed perspective and then they also want the zoomed out picture that shows you the whole context yeah i think i think that you just i think that you just breezed over something that is more important than you could possibly imagine which essentially what you're saying right there is that you need to learn how to tell a story when you're traveling it's not just yes. about one photo <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole story that you're trying to capture yeah i wasn't trying to tell them because um i'm sure a lot of people talk about stories and i remember when i was a beginner it was very difficult to understand uh, I'm like, well, everything can tell a story and nothing can tell a story, you know, and, but that's the truth. It depends how you see it, how you want to portray that. And what matters is what, how you see things and what you're going to do to actually make your uh, viewer get it. You know, um, are you going to focus on details because you're trying to show something very detailed or a worker and you want to show how difficult his work is so you want to like focus on the traits on his face and his hands or whatever or do you want to show the craziness of a city and then you don't need to go as much in the details as as for the worker for example and i think as long as you know what story you're trying to tell it's going to help you get those different types of shots and, and make it match so gopro uh just to wrap up gopro drone just another tool that that you definitely want to use for for your higher creative vision if in a way yeah 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 also great toys by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> very fun toys when um um so let's say do you have any do you have any travels coming up soon that uh that you'd be happy to share about yeah um i'm gonna be in san diego i have no clue what's gonna happen but i was supposed to be going to nepal and india i think ne india is gonna fall short but nepal might be going through so yeah okay so let's talk about nepal for a second you're going to nepal it's a very remote location you're not going to be able to bring a ton of stuff right now are you already planning in your head types of stories that you want to tell with your photos or are you more of the photographer who shows up and says let's see what happens and then i'll just follow it and see where it goes oh that's that's a good question because what i discovered is that my travels are also made up of a lot of photos i might have seen in the past from magazines like travel magazines books whatever and so when i imagine the place i imagine that based through those images mm. most of the time so if you want to play a game book a ticket for a place and never look what it looks like before that's a good game um if you're going to a place like nepal which is fairly well known um yet few people have been there 
I want to do two things when I go there. There are there's like the, those bucket list shots that I really want to get. For example, mm-hmm. those flags in the wind on the mountains. Yes. Uh, with the Himalayas in the background. So and maybe the monks also, if I have access and if they're cool with that. Trying to get a little bit of that culture, but also from my friends who spend quite some time there. I also want to have an element of surprise. So I want to be in the streets or the villages and just like stay up and, and just observe what happens and capture what I think is um, is worth, not worth, everything's worth it, but in a way it's like, it's something I want to share with, with the rest of the world. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, and the last one, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and the last one is how can I integrate myself into those uh, locations so that I also have a personal souvenir? How can you integrate yourself in the location so that you have a so, so as in like a uh, like taking a photo of yourself in these locations as well? Yeah, for example, that's a cool idea. That's that's one thing that I definitely don't do enough of. I spend all of my time behind the camera. I'm, because I focus... it's, a, it's the easiest, right? It, well, when you have to be in front of it, you're like, oh, I'm going to no, set up I think that I line. think for me, I think for me, it's uh, I'm I don't want to say that I'm a control freak, but uh, uh, having more knowledge of photography than say my wife or my children. It's like, if I hand them the camera, I know that I'm not going to be happy <laughs> with whatever photo that they take. Oh, but you, know? you, you can use your tripod, you set it up perfectly and then yeah. you get in your frame. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay, going to have to do fine. more of that. It's not going to look as, um, genuine as if you had a really good photographer friend capture shots of yeah. you in the action, mm-hmm. but and to be honest, uh, try it out because in 50 years, you'll be happy to have those shots. Be yeah. Like, oh wow, that was me there. That's so funny. <laughs> Look at me. I had the beard, or I had no beard. You yeah. know. <laughs> you'll be like, oh cool. I still had glasses. We hadn't figured out how to solve everybody's <laughs> eye problems right. with a pill or something. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, uh, to see more photos. I'm sure that you're going to be making videos in Nepal. I'm I'm really excited to see that as. Yeah. Uh, that's that's definitely one of the places that is. Uh, uh, if I could travel anywhere in the world, I would love to do mm. that. Uh, I don't know if this would help you at all, but maybe it would. But I recently asked the uh, uh, the audience of the Beginner Photography Podcast if they could take their camera anywhere in the world, where would it be? And there was uh, there was a there was a good range of options, but I would say yeah. overwhelmingly, people said Alaska. People want to go really? to Alaska. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Like one of my photo- Aaron just went to Alaska. Oh, okay. oh and really? He was like, dude it's so crazy there like it's so beautiful <laughs> like the nature everywhere blah 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 yeah uh, i was like wow so i can see why yeah well there, there you go there's uh there's a location for one of your next uh one of your next series of videos that's gonna be great right so, speaking of you know traveling to these locations you know going to nepal it's very remote you might not have internet access for periods of time what do you do about keeping your actual photos safe Oh, that's really um, important. Very yeah. important. <laughs> so back when we were in the world tour, I had two, three hard drives, um, two normal hard drives. Let's say like the cheap ones. I had two four terabyte hard drives or two, two, two terabytes, and they, those would be duplicates. Mm-hmm. So whenever I would be done with a shoot, I would transfer everything into one hard drive and then duplicate it onto the, the other one at all times. And during that world tour, I had ended up with like three, four times, 12, tera, uh, four terabytes. Uh, so that was like 12 terabytes, three times four. And then I had three hard drives crash. So oh, if wow. I didn't duplicate those hard drives, I would have had come home with zero. 
So that's what I tell to everyone. Number one, make sure you always carry duplicates and don't put those in the same bag. If you can't separate bag or better, give it to your wife or your friend. Now, nowadays, do not buy old school hard drive, invest in SSDs because they will be shock proofed just by um, just how it's made and how it works. It's shock proof. So you don't have to worry about banging it and, and losing everything because the, the head, the reading had like moved or whatever and you're completely safe, but always, always just duplicate. And if you want, just send it to the cloud if you have in internet. Otherwise, um, use devices like, I use a Narbox, for example, mm -hmm. which is really cool, especially when I don't have my laptop and I don't want to take it. I just drop the memory card, do a backup on the Narbox, and if I have an extra hard drive, I do an, an extra backup into the other hard drive. And if I want to be extra cautious, then I keep that memory card into a different spot and i don't use it until i'm back home or in a secure location oh so, gotcha so you don't so you I never do. wipe a uh, a card while you're it, while it you're depends traveling. on the job it depends if i'm shooting for myself i might but if i'm shooting something very important on like some like portfolio worth shots mm -hmm. or i'm working for other people i want to have like two or three, three backups if i can like gotcha. the memory card takes no space you just buy another one that's it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I feel so many new photographers get hung up on, on memory cards and, uh, I don't know, keeping multiples. And it's like, just buy, just buy another one. It's like $30. I know. know. It's, it's like, like oh, I have all my shots in 2016 on it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that what do you gonna mean? going to die any moment. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> He's like, no, no. Oh, no, those are for my wife. I'm like, what? I've, uh, yeah, I know there, there, there's so many horror stories of people who, uh, uh, recently mm -hmm. actually one of my wife's friends, um, her car got broken into and they stole her camera out of the car and she wasn't like a photographer or anything, but she had this camera and, um, you know, she bought like a, it was probably like 128 gig card or whatever. So she yeah. had photos of her child's birth on this card and her child is like now four years old. So every photo that she had ever taken wow. was on this card in the past four years. And, you know, you feel bad for those people in those situations. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe there's just not enough education for for non-photographers. But, uh, yeah, that, I mean, you just think about that. That's a horrible situation. Horrible situation. But that's where you can ask yourself, why do people buy cameras if they never take them off their camera? Right. Well, I, I, think it, I think it was that she, she would. She would, she'd like, she'd probably take the card out of her camera, put it in her computer, pick the one or two photos that she liked from a birthday mm -hmm. party or whatever, upload it to Facebook, take out the card, put it right back in the camera, and then that would be it. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there was no uh, cataloging of photos, and ultimately that was that was the problem. That was the problem, which is really sad. So when you get, uh, when you get say, back home, home base, yeah. now you have all these hard drives full of uh, photos and video. Uh, what do you do? What do you do with those? Mm, nowadays, because I'm using um, the Norbox, I actually pre-call all the images. I, I rate them before mm -hmm. I get home, like on the flight or something like that. But let's say I just came home, didn't rate them, or I didn't even have time to look at anything. I would just like go through, let's say, the 2,000, 3,000, 10,000 photos and just rate them and say see which one I would keep and which one I would not keep. And once I know which one I keep, I just like import those into Lightroom and the rest, I would just like leave it out into a folder that I would delete a little bit later once I'm done working on the project, just to make sure in case I need to go back to it, I would. Or if I feel really confident, which I don't recommend to anyone, 
uh, because that's when you feel very confident that something happens. <laughs> You're Always. like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a time lapse and that was the last frame. And <laughs> yeah, so that happens. Um, and then you you just go back to to working on on those photos, and once you're done and you know you have everything you wanted, you just delete the rest. Okay, okay, gotcha. So you're not the kind of photographer who keeps every raw that you've ever taken. You just keep what you used, yeah, what was good enough, and then and then ditch the rest. No, I don't. I don't keep everything. It's it would be mental. Right. Yeah, I know. Especially I... because I have an easy shutter. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's very easy to go out and in an hour take a thousand or so photos. No, I'm, I'm I'm the same way. When it comes to weddings, it's like I only keep after after six months after the yeah. wedding. I only keep what it was that I used, and then I just trash all the other photos. Cause so so what I did for weddings, and I would set myself like a year, mm -hmm. and I would take all those photos I did that didn't make it through selection, mm -hmm. and I would dump them into a hard drive called Rejects and dump all those photos in there and keep it for a year. And after just erase that folder after a year or so uh, and make space for another one. Uh, the reason was that sometimes you have clients who are not happy or want to see their grandma or their aunt or something that you did not include in your calls, um, called photos. And they're like, oh, do you have that? And if you say no, well, I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good as a pro. So as a pro, I would always keep those for a year. And usually after a year, you're safe, like, if this yeah, if anything, they didn't look like, at those dude, photos within a year. Dude, it's been a year. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you forget about your aunt for that entire year? Like now's the time that you're coming back for us? That's hilarious. <laughs> um, as, as, as somebody who shoots a lot of travel photos, who you talk to a lot of other photographers who are interested in travel photography, uh, I'm sure that you see a lot of uh, photos from amateur travel photographers. What is something that uh, most people get wrong about their their travel photography when, when they're documenting their own travels um i don't know if it's just about travel photography but i feel like it's more for any kind of photography and it's timing mm -hmm. um and that comes down to two aspects like finding the good light for like time of the day for example like if you're not dedicated you'll probably go out at like 11 a.m after the strong night or whatever, and then you'll come back home before sunset because you're tired. Um, but if you want to be good, or if you want to get shots that are a little bit more worth it, you are going to be chasing light, just like Netflix. <laughs> and so you want to be, you, you want to be out there like sunrise or early morning hours, and then also evening and maybe nighttime. So you get different ambience. So I think not everyone's ready to put that dedication. A lot of people are just like, I don't understand why I don't get those photos. Well, maybe because you're not there at the, the same time, you know? Uh, and the last one is just taking time to get your composition right and, and not rushing or like feeling like someone's going to attack you if you take a photo. Meaning like no one cares if you take two a minute in the middle of a r busy road to take the right photo with yeah. your right composition. Like there are crazy people everywhere. Just be one of them, you know? <laughs> and, and, th and that's it. Just get over with it. There are crazy people everywhere. Just be one of them. I love that. <laughs> That's great. It's going to be definitely the most memorable quote of this, uh, of this <laughs> interview right here. Uh, my last question here for you. What is something that you think that people would be um, surprised to find out about uh, being a travel photographer? Hmm. Um, 
a lot of time on the laptop but <laughs> it's uh it's a lot of time trying to either find if you want partners or or spending time like the business part if you want takes a lot more time than than being on location and once you're on location especially for me if i'm doing youtube it, it gets very very intense where i have to think about the photos i have to think about the video and it's not leisure at all yeah. it is not uh, like, oh, nice, I'm waking up, let's go shoot for five minutes. No, it's more like I, I just went to New York and my schedule was like 10 a.m. midnight every day, uh, certain days, sunrise until 10 p.m. So it's like being out there at all times trying to um, get as much content as possible or the right content and uh, make sure you maximize that opportunity. I will say if you don't like that, just slow travel. But then... Um, you gotta be have flexibility to spend a month in the country or two months and, and take your time if that's more suitable for someone travel doesn't always uh equal leisure that's perfect yeah no no but since i love what i do it doesn't matter right yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like I'm, i get excited waking up for sunrise and, and going to do something um it's not easy to wake up but i'm excited so <laughs> It's like, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, and then it, your alarm rings and you're like, oh, <laughs> and five minutes later, once ago. you're out, you're like, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it, it really just comes down to like, I guess people's definition of, you know, what, what travel is and what it is that they yeah. want out of it. As I know, you know, maybe this is a mostly American construct. I, I, I just simply don't know, but I know. Uh, a lot of times when it comes to travel, you're thinking of like, oh, I got to relax. Like this is a vacation. Like, like this is yeah. my time away from my job and this lets me kind of recoup. But I think when you get out of that headspace and when you use, I know me personally, I work better. Like I have a very hard time just turning off. I have a very yeah. hard time just sitting there and just doing nothing. Um, and that having some sort of goal, whether it be to capture a certain sort of sh shot or to you know make a video or something definitely makes travel or vacations for me a lot more enjoyable but i've also never excuse me had to go around the world and create like yeah. consistent content and i can imagine that 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 schedule of shooting editing uploading uh, has just got to be tedious and, uh, and, and, and very difficult to keep up with. So uh, I just have to congratulate you, obviously, on doing that, on doing it very well, uh, you know, growing your YouTube channel as well. It's been very fun to watch you and your growth. Um, and I look forward to seeing you and your growth uh, uh, in the future as well, as I know that uh, great things are to come. Here, uh, I have to thank you so much for coming on, sharing everything that you did. Uh, I had a blast talking with you. Uh, it's clear that your personality is exactly as it is on uh, your YouTube videos. Uh, and again, I, I had a great time. And thank you again for sharing everything that you did. Thank you, Raymond. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Raymond, for having me. Guys, go check out the Beginner Photography Podcast. Great resources with tons of really cool guests. Now, I got to tell you, it's time for you to get out there and go shoot, try something different, try something new. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Have an amazing day. Good luck. If it's a little bit rough out there, it's going to get better. Bye.